I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Just jumping in here to give you a wee snippet of Culture Vulture, our pop culture podcast. So if you want a break from the news, you should jump over and subscribe to it. A huge thank you to Neon, our favorite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. Kia ora everybody and welcome to one of two very, very special episodes of Culture Vulture. I'm joined as always by my beautiful co-host Liv. Hi everyone. How Lovely are you to be Liv? here. I'm good. I'm excited. Same. So this episode and next episode, which is actually dropping on Saturday, we are talking about Taylor Swift. None other than Taylor Swift. Now, Taylor has just re-released Red, and me and Liv have been absolutely infatuated by it, eh, Liv? Oh, it's taken over our entire weekend. I feel like this weekend was the perfect weekend for Red to be re-released. Sort of rainy. Sort of rainy. It was kind of cozy and... Humid way. In a very humid <laughs> way. It was a mosh. It was just it super was a mosh. We even went to a waterfall. It felt very dramatic. We yelled into it. We yelled actually the words all too well at one point Lucy into it. went for a drive in her car. <laughs> and I cried. cried. I just had to make up some scenarios. And she's not much of a crier. No. So it says a lot. And I've not really got much to relate to, so I had to make <laughs> up some scenarios. It was good for the imagination. Now, this was initially going to be one episode, but me and Liv got deep into the weeds and we decided that it had to be a wee two-part series. Holy fuck, the information just snowballed. Now, like, there's nothing like a spontaneous two-part series, Absolutely is Really not. get you yeah. going. We're, we're ready for it. I think it's going to be... Good Taylor Pan. Are you ready for it? <laughs> I didn't even get it. Sorry. <laughs> I only know red. So there's an OG Swifty here being me. And then there's my favourite narrative. I was actually thinking about this today. My mm-hmm. favourite type of Swifty or Taylor Swift fan is someone that wasn't really into her at the start or like heard her music, liked her music. But then upon the re-records has been like, I actually respect and love the shit out of Taylor Swift. Oh, I feel like I have entered a new era of my like musical yeah. life. I well, okay. She's in her reputation dramatic. era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like honestly, Taylor was never really on my radar properly. I mean, like, I thought she was good. I knew she was a good songwriter. I just never like listened to much of her before until folklore and Evermore came out and I really liked those albums but again I didn't have that like nostalgic feeling and then living with Loose this year and our other flatmate Flo another cameo (laughs) um, it has kind of really opened my eyes to the magic that is Taylor Swift and I feel like she's had such a bad reputation which is why she fucking made an album about it but yeah she had a bad reputation like and in hindsight 
For what? Like, For people what? just turned on her. And we're going to get into this. So this episode is going to be the modern history of Taylor Swift. It's going to be all those eras, all those dramas, all those boyfriends and the beautiful songs that she made out of telling the stories that she has every right to tell. And then the next episode, we are going to get into the weeds. We are going to be answering the question you're all wondering. Why is she re-releasing all her old music? What did Scooter Braun do? Who is Scott Borchetta? Liv has... <laughs> is that his name? Yeah, this is good. Yeah, I just feel... I feel like I'm listening to an audiobook or something. I'm like, Lucy is on a roll. Honestly, I don't even have to She's think. She's not even scripted here. Not people. Like she script. is just gazing off into the distance. Honestly, I'm just such... I'm such a Swifty. Like, went to her concert, went to her Speak Now concert, touched her hand. Like, did was you? Like, front row. Very soft. Got her guitar pick. Said this this weekend. I know a guitar pick. I know this huge Swiftie. Um, I know I was about four foot when I went to her concert, so it terrified the shit out of me. Have hardly been into a mosh pit since, but um, big big fan. So yes, this episode is going to be all her eras, bar a few, because it's there's just too many. And the next episode is going to be why she's re-recording and you guys are going to love it because you'll have listened to this you'll have all the background and then you'll listen to the next one and then you'll listen to only taylor's version of anything ever live what described your week this week oh honestly red same I taylor's red. version in brackets um <laughs> everywhere I, I looked i just saw red honestly i did it was everywhere i went it literally was everywhere i went it was in the lounge it was in my room it was in the car i know we just blasted it um but yeah, it was it was really beautiful. I think it gave me nostalgic feelings that I haven't felt in a while, even though like that music, like it must have been part of my adolescence, mm. but not a sort of conscious part. But yes. it was nice to kind of like tap into that subconscious and Taylor Swift that was in my soul. Honestly, the 10 minute version of All Too Well, like... I'm going to let it sit for a while, but I think it might be one of my favourite songs like ever written. Like, yeah. usually it's Life on Mars, David Bowie, and I think that's because it goes through so many different stages. Yes. But then Red, Taylor's version, I mean, all too well, 10-minute version, went through so many stages as well that, like, if in a few months I still like it as much as I like it now, it might be up there with my favourite song ever written. I know. I think what's so amazing about it is that, yes, it's 10 minutes, it's fucking long, but it doesn't feel that doesn't way. Doesn't feel like it. And also, like, there's not much variation within the music itself, but her voice, like, builds in intensity without the melody changing dramatically, which I think, yes. like, it shows how strong her storytelling power is because you can't do that if your story's not there to back it up, right? And especially that last bit where she's saying that she's not good at telling jokes but the punchline like Mm -hmm. that is not like wildly out of the original melody but it's like slowed down there's a different beat and for some reason it just hits different I know no it's it's really really incredible songwriting um loved it the girl at home remix now I don't know if you'd heard the original girl at home very acoustic very guitar based this one was like a club banger and it's really good. I'm usually not here for like a club banger, but 
girl at home slept the last time with Gary Lightbody. Oh, love that. Stunning. Because there's not actually that much difference, is there, between no. her original album and the re-recorded. Just like slight subtle differences that probably you will only notice because you're a true Swifty. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I'm guessing Lucy, Red probably described your week as well. Red did describe my week and uh, we're going to describe it here on the podcast too. And I'm going to get into the scarf, the red scarf. The Jake Gyllenhaal story, like the Easter there's, eggs. There's so much. We're gonna get into Sadie Sink and Dylan O'Brien oh, and the meta chemistry. age gap, and just oh, I love it. But first of all, first of all, I'm gonna do my naughty or nice, and it's gonna be Taylor Swift themed. Themed. It's gonna be yeah. Taylor Swift themed. I mean, because naturally. of course. So my first story is about a John Mayer DM. Now. Mm. Don't you worry, Liv, because I'm going to get into the Taylor Swift John Mayer love story because it is important. And I did ask you about this the other day. So thank God I'm getting the tea for Oh, thank God. I sort of gatekept it until now. (laughs) So um, I was reading through, I think it's pronounced Des Moines. It's this gossip Instagram account that I barely ever look at. Mm -hmm, Heard of it, yeah. Looked at it today because I thought there's going to be some Taylor tea on here. And there was. So anyway, a bunch of fans have obviously been making memes and stuff about how John Mayer must be like quaking in his boots right now because Taylor's written some beautiful songs about him. One named Dear John, so quite obviously about him. And a lot of them have obviously been messaging him saying things like, you know, are you scared? Like, are you prepared? And Mm. we're going to get into whether you should be doing that or not in just a second. But Des Moines posted a screenshot of John's response to one of these fans. Now, all we can see is the fan who has said, answer me, you bitch, to which John <laughs> says, the fucking audacity. I know. To which John says, hi, Alondra, it's John. I've been getting so many messages like these for the past couple of days. I decided to choose your message at random to reply to. You can feel free to screenshot, share in any way you like if you want. I'm not upset. I just tend to have a curious mind and feel compelled to ask, do you really hope that I die? To which the fan replied saying, OMG, what? I don't want you to die. And then sent voice recordings. So it's like this weird thing where it's a reminder to everyone that like, this is a person this that is you're a person. sending. No, don't send death threats. Don't ever send hate or death threats. John Mayer, not the best person. We can all agree on that. Didn't treat her the way she should have been treated. That aside, we don't send death threats here. We just stand Taylor Swift. Absolutely not. And yeah, maybe a reminder for Jake Gyllenhaal also. I know we're going to go into this. But yeah, just a person also like, think about your own romantic relationships. Did you really sort of portray yourself in the best light, you know, when you were 10 years younger than you are now? Not sure. So I think, yeah. Just a good message. Just Mm -hmm. a good message to sort of, well, not a good message from her, obviously, but a good message from us saying... Just think before you type. Um, and, like, it's all good to have a laugh as long as, you know, you're always thinking, is this and hurting someone? also a nice reminder for us before yeah. we record something like this. Exactly, so, which yeah. I've been thinking the whole time is, like, I don't want this to be hating on anyone or anything. I'm really just getting here and just, like, stan. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about is um, another story from Des Moines. This one about old Jakey boy Gyllenhaal, Mm -hmm. who all too well is, for legal purposes, allegedly about, and who, while we love a laugh, we also don't condone being mean to Jakey boy, 
But um, one of Jake's old interns messaged Demoy saying that they used to intern for him. And one time he was playing music from his speakers and he put on a bunch of Taylor Swift songs in a row. No way. And then, and this is quoted, he comes out of his office manically saying, nothing like a little bit of Taylor Swift to lighten the mood. And I really, I can't tell the tone here from the message. Like, was he, was he like... I actually like this, or was he making a joke, or was he genuinely listening to it because it hypes him? I would have paid good money to see this. Me too. Oh, again, we always forget to do the naughty or nice, and I'm saying for the first one, naughty for the fan messaging um, John Mayer saying something along the lines of wanting him to die. Yeah, but n- nice for John Mayer. Nice for John Mayer to respond yeah, in such the way a, that he such a sort of did. relaxed I, way. Yeah, exactly. And and I think nice I of think Jake Gyllenhaal to be playing yeah, um, kind of hilarious. Swift. I mean, I think I read somewhere that he said something to Taylor Swift about it being a bit of a photo book. Yes. Yes. Bit of a, yep, I saw that as well. Listening to the album. So, I mean, there must be a little bit of sort of less than hate I don't yeah, know a little bit less yeah. than hate and also like when Taylor Swift was asked in that interview me and Liv have watched every interview that's come out of Taylor Swift over the past weekend I'm not sure if it was Jimmy Fallon or Seth Myers, but how she said the person the interviewer asked are you worried about their reaction or something of hearing the 10 minute all too well and she just said I haven't thought about their reaction. And, like, so you should, bestie. But, like, yeah, you're like, telling your story. I don't think that's true because, like, I might. that's where my mind would be. But also fucking good on her. So now that we've decided that um, we're not going to message nasty things to Taylor's ex-boyfriends, why don't we just talk about them on a podcast? <laughs> we are going to go through Taylor's eras. Well, we're going to go through all of Taylor's eras except for lover, folklore and evermore because they are reserved for part two. The first era. The era that started it all was Taylor's self-titled era. Now the year was 2006 and a young country darling entered the scene. This was a little bit before my time, before Love Story was out and before I knew who the hell she was, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. So after years of sort of performing in bars and venues in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where your girl is from, um, she had high hopes of getting a record deal. She debuted her first self-titled album, Taylor Swift, at the age of 16. And soon enough, she was, like, performing with some big fucking acts like Rascal Flatts and Tim McGraw, who she also wrote mm. a song called Tim McGraw, and Faith Hill. Um, and her her look was just, I'm going to go through her looks because they often define her eras. And here her look was just very, like, young, blonde, country, Cute, like she was just that country, all American girl. Exactly. Two thousand and eight, we met her fearless era, and and to be honest, if there is one word to describe Taylor Swift, it actually is fearless. She is fucking fearless, which is something I didn't realize or hadn't looked into until you know researching for this podcast. She's fucking fearless. Yeah, like if you're talking about exploring new genres or like saying what you want to say or writing about people that have wronged you, like she she is fearless. So this was the era that most of us, if you're our age, probably came to know Taylor Swift. Love Story was playing at all like the year seven or eight discos, whatever year we were in. She started performing and doing that like really shocked face whenever the crowd, whenever she'd win an award or the crowd would erupt and it was sort of like, it was endearing. Yeah. But you knew she wasn't shocked. Like she, she, she earned it. She earned that crowd. And so every time she'd be shocked, people would sort of be like, why are you so shocked? But it was cute. Um, she was in Hannah Montana, the movie, playing the song Crazier. 
Oh my god! Yeah, she was. She was, and she totally fucking rocked it. about that. Yeah, yeah. She released some amazing songs like Fifteen and You Belong with Me, and she Banger. even earned her first album of the year Grammy. So she earned a fucking Grammy for Fearless. Holy shit! So how old was she then? So she was eighteen then. I know. And her look, the fearless look, was defined by, like, her sparkly dresses and her and her ball gowns, you know, like, love story ball gowns. And, and the her, long curls. Yes, her long, yeah. tightly curled hair. She had her signature winged eyeliner. She was always making hearts with her hands, like, to the crowd. And, of course, this is where we started seeing the lucky number 13. 13's her favourite number. Basically, everything she touches these days has 13 in it on it, around it, to do with it. She loves a cryptic message, right? She loves a cryptic message. It's like such a part of her allure these days. She would have the number 13 written on her hand every day when she went on stage. She has actually already re-recorded and released Fearless, Taylor's version. So make sure if you are listening to that album, if this has sparked your nostalgia, don't listen to the old version. Listen to her new re-recorded version. Now, I thought it would be quite good for um, each era if we sort of looked at a few of the songs and who they might be written about because that is so much of the story about Taylor Swift is um, her songs and her narratives. The song Forever and Always was written about Joe Jonas. This was a song that was based on her breakup with him. Um, It features lyrics about her staring at her phone. And this is because, and she revealed on Ellen, that he broke the relationship off over a 25 to 27, now that there's, we don't know what one it is, second phone call. Like less than 30 second phone call. She got her record company to let her record a song about it real quick to add last minute to the album. And then she went on later to say on Ellen, like, Ellen asked years later what her most rebellious thing she'd done as a teenager was. And she said, probably when I put Joe Jonas on blast on your show, that was too much. Because, you know, when you're young and you just feel like, you probably like you us just, right now, you can run your mouth. Yeah, you, you don't feel like think you about the consequences. You're sort of just like, oh, well, you know, whatever. It's my story to tell. Yes, yeah. yes. And so she obviously, I mean, great song, but she obviously was like, fuck, I should have really given all the messages behind yeah. it. It's just fucking crazy. Like, she had such high-profile boyfriends. I know. Like, you know, most singers, they have this sort of private personal life that they can draw from and... Like, there's not as many consequences. Just, Mm. like, knowing who the person is on the other side of the song, you know. Makes you so much more invested. It makes you so invested. And, like, the media loved it until, like, her reputation era when everyone just turned on her. She was met with some fucking double standards, which we'll get to, especially around age. No, absolutely. But... Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner actually were just um, seen going to watch her SNL performance. Like, they're good mates now. She congratulated them big time on their baby. And, like, they're real good mates, which is just gorgeous. Now, Mr. Perfectly Fine, which is from the re-recorded version of Fearless, is also rumoured to be about Joe. The song Should Have Said No, which is about someone that cheated on her, is written about, and I haven't really brought in the the obscure high school boyfriends, but this one was written about a guy called Sam Armstrong. And the reason I'm bringing this up is just because in the CD booklet, and I remember looking at it, um, she is obsessed with the lyrics in like in the album booklets. She would read through them. She capitalized every S, A, and M I, like, in order. Yes, I remember this. This was, I think, there must have been an era when I was younger where I think it was Fearless or Speak Now sort of 
era yeah. where I was invested in those songs. I think I used to sing them in singing lessons mm-hmm. and stuff, was looking through the lyrics, yes. remember that, and oh my God. And at that age, you think that is the most cryptic shit someone oh, could yeah, ever do. Right? Capitalising so something, fucking, cool. yeah. fucking acrostic poems. And you like, also think you're so smart for sort of like... Nancy Drew, you know, like, cracking yeah. yeah, I know. So Sam Armstrong, he gets a shout out because um, he cheated on her. Notable moments in the Fearless era, live come in 2009 when Ye, formerly known as Kanye West, interrupted Taylor's acceptance speech for Best Female Video at the MTV VMAs. Now, Liv, I know we've all heard about this, but will you just give me a wee refresher on what happened here? Yeah, absolutely. I actually watched this back. I'm going to let you finish, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Meta. I actually just watched this back, like, you know, a few hours ago, and just, it's pretty heartbreaking. I know. So basically, Ye interrupted to tell the crowd that um, Beyonce had the best video of all time. So this was when Taylor had just won the award for the best music video for You Belong With Me. Mm. And, like, it's fucking awkward. Everything about it is horrific. The crowd starts booing, and then Taylor said that she thought the boos were for her, but really they were booing Ye because, you know, he looked like a bit of a dick. He was a dick. Yeah, or like a jackass in um, Obama's words. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, it's sad because he was doing this – to sort of make commentary on racism within the music industry. Mm-hmm. So you can see, you know, the thought process behind it, but it was just wrong place, wrong time. Like, oh, yeah, we can't excuse oh, it. No, we can't excuse it at all. And Taylor very much took the brunt of this. And then a day after the VMAs, West appeared in a pre-planned appearance on The Tonight Show um, and said, it's been a difficult day. I'm just dealing with the fact that I hurt someone or took anything away from a talented artist or from anyone because I only wanted to help people. I immediately knew in this situation that it was wrong. It's someone's emotions that I stepped on. It was rude, period. Which is interesting because later on in his career, he kind of has, you know, different thoughts about this whole thing. Oh, yes. Little precursor. Mm-hmm. Yay comes back in a big way ben in vengeance. this story. Yeah. But it does sort of show his impulsivity and something that he's actually always struggled to control within himself. Um, and it has been linked to mental illness and things like that. So there's no denying that this was a very layered situation. Mm-hmm. It just is... It's really difficult to see it coming um, up against a brand new sort of artist, a young woman in the industry, a country singer that like just sort of was trying to accept her award. Absolutely. I think Ye must have just seen it as she's white, Beyonce's black and this is the outcome sort of thing. But yes, we can all agree, not his finest moment. No, and and it does get worse, I hate to tell you all. Now, we move to 2010, the Speak Now era. Her Speak Now era was both magical and theatrical. Is and this where, just like, the Wonderlust perfume? Yes. Yep, used to hit that hard. I know, I used to hit that hard yeah. too. Like, this was just, I mean, the song Enchanted pretty much wraps up this era. I went to see her in concert in this era. This is the one that I watched. And it was just like as big as a show could get. Like she wanted it. She wanted everything. She wanted the sets, the castles, the flying around the room, the sparkles, like 
everything. Now, really interestingly, Speak Now was her first and only self-written album, written entirely by herself. Right. Holy and, shit. And, and she was young as yeah, well. Yeah. I did not know that this was her, like, she wrote this one all on her own. And I think a lot of it had to do with she was starting to face some of the, like, well, you know, that's not even your song. Or, like, you wouldn't be able to do it without the song. You know, she was a young woman. She was, honestly, she was facing the brunt of it. She was sort of marking the roadmap. Yeah. Which she sings about in one of her new songs with Phoebe Bridges on Red. Like, the roadmap for the younger stars like the Olivia Rodrigo's to sort of enter the music industry, see what she's been through, and know that they can overcome it. And be a little savvier, for sure. Yes. Because she was also... You know, although she may not have been the sole songwriter on albums, she was like the majority oh my songwriter God. on all heavy. her albums. So, yeah. She had a heavy hand on literally everything she touched. But I think this was just her way of being like, right, I'll do one completely on my own. Just and to show you all. Yeah, you yeah. can see that I've done it. This album also has my all-time favourite Taylor Swift song on it, Long Live. It just gives me the best feelings. I don't know that song. I know, I don't. I don't know if you do. It's quite a niche one, but it's like... Oh, God, it's so good. I'm not going to sing on this podcast because we know that's controversial, but great song. Go and listen to Long Live, everybody. Send it to the top of the charts. No, <laughs> don't listen until she's re-recorded yes. Speak Now. Don't listen. And you'll know why next you'll know episode. Why. Yeah, yeah, you'll know why on Saturday when we release the next episode. <laughs> now, her look for Speak Now was defined by purple, which is random. Yes, purple is purple. random. Purple was a random colour. So Fearless was sort of purplish as well, wasn't it? Oh, Fearless was sort of like golds and sparkles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak Now was defined by this like deep purple. And this is why people think that Speak Now is the next album she's going to re-release. Because it's her red era. Mm. Yet in most of her appearances we've seen like lately promoting the red era, she's wearing purple. Another Easter egg. She's Another a clever Easter woman. Egg. Yeah, and, and we could be wrong. People also think because she used 1989 model of car and the All Too Well yes, music video. Yes, saw be that in the Mercedes. Or, yeah, yeah, lots of people, you know, it's it's so fun. And she does say that half of the Easter eggs she, yes, intentionally sets up. Half of them, like, the fans make up. She thinks they're good ideas and she runs with them, which we love. Fuck That's yes. like how you create a great fandom slash Parasocial oh relationship. Like imagine like not even planning something and then being like, you are so right. That yep. is like maybe subconsciously she was, you know, yes. doing it in her head. Exactly. Now, this was also the era of like the big hair flips, you know, she'd, she'd yeah. smash out. Her which she brought songs. back on Saturday Night Live, which and, oh, I love. I love it. I actually read um, a really good tweet that was like, she used to get ridiculed for doing those hair flips and now she's back Saturday Night Live, older, bringing them back. Everyone's loving she's them. Just owning the shit out of herself. I but, know. Yeah. And, like, how dare we or the world have even let her not sort of own them in the moment she was doing them earlier? I like, know. I think it does show how we have come mm, quite a long way since all of this shit happened. And, like, someone has to be the front of it. Yeah, like, the instigator. I know. So let's get to some of the songs on this album and who they might have been about. So we have Taylor Lautner. Now, did you oh ever God, watch Valentine's Day? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. did you watch Valentine's Day? Yeah. So the two met in 2009 when they co-starred on Valentine's Day. And apparently the song that's about Taylor Lautner is back to December because when she sings your tanned skin, your sweet smile, on top of like her apology for a rough night in December, which lines up with the timelines of when she broke up with him, but it was a really like amicable and quite a nice relationship, I think. Oh, bless. Bless. Not a great movie, but a great no, relationship. No, no, not a great movie, but... Oh, Kind of a good trash watch, eh? Yeah, yeah.
Now, the song Mine, this was allegedly written for and about Corey Monteith because it's about a boy that Taylor really knew. Did she go out with Corey Monteith? I think for a brief brief time, like just under a month, they had like a... little bit of a fling. A little bit of a fling. And, you know, she's she holds moments and she can turn moments into songs and moments oh, into absolutely. lifetimes. It's her job. Yeah, and mine's quite a cute song, so I think that's quite sweet. I thought you were about to sing it. I honestly thought you were about to And mine's quite mic. a good song, so yeah. let me just take it away. <laughs> And then that's it for the episode. Go buy Lucy's version of this I'm actually just going to sing her whole discography from now on. Um, Now let's get to John Mayer. So we have the song Dear John, which John gets a few songs, but Dear John. Dear John is quite explicitly explicitly about John. His. And he did have a bit to say about it. So the lyrics in Dear John point a lot to their age difference. Taylor was 19. John Mayer was 32. And this is, wild, yeah, man. this is interesting because when she was dating older men, constantly, like, it was it was just fine. Like, you know, it's the men that, it's the man that's older, so, like, it was sort of accepted. But then when she, we'll find out later, was dating a younger man, she was, like, ridiculed for a four-year age gap. Yeah. And it's Four just years. double standards. Yeah, double standards everywhere. Anyway, John Mayer took the song Dear John quite personally and he said to Rolling Stone magazine, it made me feel terrible because I didn't deserve it. I'm pretty good at taking accountability now, and I never did anything to deserve that. It was a really lousy thing for her to do. He said that it was a low blow, and then he actually responded musically with his song Paper Dolls, saying, Don't you think I was too young to be messed with? The girl in the dress cried the whole way home. I should have known. Which is literally her lyrics that yeah. she wrote, sung back weirdly. It doesn't really make that it much doesn't sense make to me. Any sense. But I think it was just him trying to get some sort of upper hand, but it didn't really work. Also, the songs Ours and The Story of Us are allegedly about John Mayer. Right. Now, Joe Jonas makes another appearance. Um, she didn't date him again, but she had some more songs. She was reminiscing. Yeah. Yes. Now, Better Than Revenge, which is a song that has been quite outwardly, like, she doesn't really like it anymore because it's not that feminist. Like, it's all about getting revenge on another woman, mm-hmm. even though, you know, it takes two to tango. But this um, this song was about another actress and vintage dresses, and Joe Jonas dated Camilla Bell after he dated Taylor Swift, and she was, like, known for her vintage dresses. She's an actress. Um, and... She actually explained that Camilla Bell had come between her and Joe Jonas. So, she, you know, she was back in her young yeah, era yeah, when yeah, she was yeah. still, like, feeling like she owed the world explanations for things, even though she didn't. Um, and so that song is for Joe Jonas. Last Kiss, which is a really slow, quite beautiful song. Again, another song that's reportedly about or for Joe Jonas. So well, he, She must just sit there with her guitar and, like, think back and be like, who am I going to write about yes. today? Like, what's like, hurting what me am now? I, yeah, what am I feeling? Like, yes. she's got this like entire catalogue of boys to. I feel like she's got a great filing cabinet in her brain. Oh, like, absolutely. She she remembers and can paint the picture of a moment so, so well. well, so well. True artist. Now, before we get into what is allegedly her best era, her red era, I think we should hear from our beautiful sponsors. So you guys heard me discover live on mic that Pen15 is on Neon and it's literally my all-time favourite show. So now Neon has my two favourite shows, Pen15 
and succession. And there's really no excuse for you not signing up because there's also a 14-day free trial. Absolutely, Liz. Honestly, like, I saw that they had sex in the city. And I, okay, I did say that I'm not huge on the movies, but the TV show is one of my favourite sort of go-to comfort shows. Mm. So that's really fucking exciting. And they're getting the new reboot. Like, Neon is getting the reboot and we have to watch it. Yes, that's so fucking cool. I also, I liked the movies and I kind of want to watch them again. But I want to ask you, who do you reckon me and you are in Sex and the City? Okay, I've been thinking about this actually. And I think that you're a combination. I think we've both got a bit of Miranda in us. Yeah. But you're slightly more Samantha and I'm slightly more Carrie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love I was about to say to you main character energy, but there's four main characters. So like anyone that you picked, it would have been. In case you haven't noticed, Neon is our favourite New Zealand-based streaming service. It's got literally everything you want. And I've said it once, I'll say it again. You can get a 14-day free trial and then you'll be hooked, I promise. Oh, you absolutely will be. And none of this would actually be possible without Neon. Like, it really wouldn't be. So thank you so much, Neon. You're fucking great. We love you, Neon. I hate to do this to you all, but if you want to hear the rest, which I know you do, head over to Culture Vulture wherever you get your podcasts. Love you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.